section we're looking at um, biblical evidences to help us to identify supernatural manifestations as being either the work of the Holy Spirit or being the work of a demonic spirit. And um, in this particular section we're looking at uh, the evidence of um, manifestations confirming the Word of God. And we said that the Scripture teaches us very plainly that whenever God the Holy Spirit manifests Himself in the church through His giftings, it is always in confirmation of the Word of God being proclaimed. And we said that um, where ministries and churches are able to experience supernatural manifestations in their midst, um, with the absence of the Word of God being proclaimed, or, or, or a very distorted gospel being proclaimed, well then that's not the work of the Holy Spirit, because He's not then confirming the Word of God, and God would never confirm a distorted gospel. And so it's a, a sign that we need to be, or a biblical evidence that we need to be on the lookout for. In continuing in that vein, we want to have a look at uh, a couple more points around that issue today. And um, one of the comments I made in the previous teaching is that churches that experience signs and wonders and ministries that experience signs and wonders in the absence of the Word of God being proclaimed or in the absence of the full counsel of God being proclaimed in those churches, uh, very often you find that the ministers of those churches and those obviously those ministers that run their own ministries um, are very focused on signs and wonders and the whole um, thrust of their, their outreach to people is signs and wonders and they are always uh, putting that forward as a very important aspect of um, <clears throat> their ministry and obviously of the church if you belong to any one of those particular churches. And so signs and wonders is, is a, a, a very strong emphasis that is placed by, on, by those particular ministers. Now when that happens, what happens is that those ministers unfortunately lead their congregations into a practice that our Lord Jesus Christ actually called evil. And we pick it up in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 and 39. The scripture says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And so, as I say, churches and ministers that encourage the saints to seek after signs and wonders um, are in fact leading their congregations into a place that our Lord actually called evil. He said that's not right. Um, and so we are not to be seeking after signs and wonders. Somebody said, okay, but what about spiritual gifts? Because the Apostle Paul did tell us that we are to desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 is very plain about that issue. Um, and that is correct. We are to desire spiritual gifts. When we say desire them, we are to desire that those gifts will be made manifest in and amongst us. But if you go on to read that account in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, the Apostle Paul gives us the motivation for desiring spiritual gifts. And that is that we 
will be able to be used of the Holy Spirit to edify the body of Christ. That is the motivation. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.12 is where he actually makes that statement. However, what you find is that people that follow after these types of ministries and churches that are focused on signs and wonders, more so than they are on the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, on the gospel of righteousness, on the gospel of salvation, signs and wonders becomes the focal point. Um, what you find is that those churches and ministries attract to them as followers people who are hungry for signs and wonders and they fall into this category of these Pharisees. They want to see signs. Now they do not want to see signs and wonders so that they can be then used to bless others. They really want to see signs and wonders for themselves so that they themselves can be blessed so to speak. And so um, that's something we need to be very aware of because it is, as I say, scriptural. We should be desiring spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul taught us very plainly on that issue. Um, but when the Holy Spirit does impart spiritual gifts to the saints, very often he will only impart, in fact, most instances, he will only impart one spiritual gift to a saint. Um, so he doesn't uh, impart multiple gifts on multiple occasions to the same individuals. Now what you find is is that these people that are attracted to these churches and these ministries that are able to display signs and wonders, if they was to believe that it was the Holy Spirit who was in fact imparting um, supernatural power to these individuals, well then he would be imparting multiple gifts to the same individual on multiple occasions because normally it is the same individuals that uh, go to the same meetings uh, time and again to have the same kind of experiences. And so that's actually not the work of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be, as I say, very um, weary of churches and ministries that their focal point is signs and wonders because our Lord is not pleased with that because that takes the focal point of our Lord Jesus away from where it should be. The church should always be focused on the Lord and the Holy Spirit will always focus his church on the Lord Jesus Christ. But getting back to um, the Word and, uh, and the Holy Spirit um, making himself manifest in amongst the church in confirmation of the Word of God that is proclaimed, one of the other aspects we need to understand is the importance that the Holy Spirit places upon the Word of God. He, he, it becomes, in fact, it is of primary importance in the, the gathering of the saints that the word of God be proclaimed. Let's have a look at um, a passage of scripture where again the Apostle Paul does uh, speak around this particular point um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29 through to 40. Um, 1 Corinthians, the first letter of Corinthians is a very enlightening uh, epistle for the church because in it what happens is the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul uh, gives the church some guidance as to how we are in fact to conduct our meetings um, and so it helps us 
to, to by benchmarking what the Holy Spirit has written in this letter to the church, it helps us to benchmark, well, is this practice taking place in this church or is the practice contrary to what is in the Bible? Because don't forget, we're saying we should be able to biblically um, benchmark any supernatural experience that we um, are um, exposed to within our, the church gatherings that we attend. And if those supernatural manifestations fit broadly speaking within the biblical benchmark um, framework, should we say, well then that, that's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. But if it's clearly outside of the biblical framework that has been given to us, well then red flags should go up and we should be asking the question, well, is that really the work of the Holy Spirit or is that a work of another spirit? And so this particular passage of scripture is forms part of the instruction given to the church as to how she should conduct her meetings um, in experiencing the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit in her midst. And the scripture says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. That word translated confusion, uh, a better rendering of that word specifically in this passage is in fact disorder. That's a, another way you can translate that word. And as I say, in this particular passage, disorder is the, the, the correct way to translate that particular word. Um, verse 33, For God is not the author of disorder, but of peace. For they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I've jumped ahead of myself. Um, verse 33 again. For God is not the author of disorder, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it to you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. And so this particular passage of scripture of the Apostle Paul tells us that the instructions that he has given to the church are in fact the commandments of the Lord. And so as such, we should as a church not deviate from them. For to deviate from these instructions would be to transgress the commandments of the Lord. And so I want you to notice just how a strong an emphasis the Apostle Paul places on the Word of God that he's spoken in the meetings. For he doesn't sanction any disruption to the Word of God when it is 
being spoken. In dealing with prophecies given, he says that each prophet must speak in turn and they are not to interrupt one another. Now, it's a very important point that he puts across to us. Um, because don't forget, we're looking, when we see supernatural manifestations, is this God or not? And so a biblical um, uh, framework that we can see here is that the word of God is not to be interrupted because he talks about prophets not interrupting one another um, through pro prophecy. Now that same principle will obviously be brought across to when the word of God is being taught. So just as uh, the Apostle Paul does not sanction one prophet interrupting another prophet, but each one speaking in turn, so it is that the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, does not sanction any interruption to the Word of God when it is being proclaimed in the church gathering through whatever, through teaching, admonition, whatever. Paul even addresses women in this area in that they were not or are not to speak out and thus interrupt the preaching of the Word of God. And so that's why <clears throat> the, the, in this particular passage, he, uh, the Apostle Paul goes on to say that God is not the author of disorder, but rather um, our meeting should be conducted in decency and order. In other words, there is a place and time in our gatherings that we get together as, as believers for every aspect of the meeting to take place. And one aspect should not disrupt another, particularly the preaching of the Word of God. And so um, you get some churches that then take Paul's instruction uh, about decency and order they take it to the extreme on the left-hand side. In other words, they become so decent and in order that they then quench the move of the Holy Spirit. So they are so structured in their meetings that we're going to do this now, we're going to do this now. They even pray in, in, in sequence. Uh, they sing their, their songs. Um, it, it, it becomes a religious practice. And so you get um, even evangelical churches that follow everything in decency and order. Paul said we must do it in decency and order, and that's what they do. And so they have no move of the Spirit taking place in their churches. Um, and so their church meetings, their gatherings, really just become a series of religious practices. And so that's taking um, the instruction of the Holy Spirit in this passage to the extreme on the left. But then you get the other extreme, and that is um, that you have some churches that allow members of the congregation while the word of God is being proclaimed to begin to mimic uncontrollable laughter to mimic drunken behavior while the word of God is being taught so in other words the, the minister of the gospel is up there on the behind the pulpit and he's teaching the word of God and you will have somebody start start laughing out loud and he continues to just teach the word of God while that person is continuing to laugh another person will fall around on the floor and behave in a drunken uh, manner and this person will continue to preach and so these churches allow such behavior to take place while the word of God is proclaimed their thinking and their reasoning behind such um, behavior is they do not want to quench the Holy Spirit well now that's not the Holy Spirit because what is happening there 
there's a disruption to the Word of God being proclaimed. Um, and so you even get um, some churches, some ministries, that when these types of disruptions occur, they stop preaching the Word of God. They, they just abandon the Word of God entirely and give the meeting over completely to this type of phenomena that spontaneously occurs within the congregation. And they say, well, that's the Holy Spirit. He's wanting to do th this at this time. Um, so we're not going to preach the Word of God. And they close their Bibles and they give the church over to that meeting, should I say, over to these supernatural displays taking place among them. But they're not of God. Why do we say they're not of God? Because God, the Holy Spirit, um, would not sanction that. And so what is amazing about these ministers is they attribute this, these disruptions to the very person who in the Word of God has declared to us we're not to do, we're not to disrupt the Word of God. And so when these disruptions take place, their viewpoint, well, that's the Holy Spirit. He now wants the Word of God not to be proclaimed. He wants this type of manifestation to take place. And that's not God. That, the Holy Spirit had just very clearly in that passage that we read, um, said to us, that's not how we are to conduct our meetings. There is a place and a time for every um, aspect of the meeting, including supernatural manifestations, which normally in the church gatherings takes place after the Word of God is being proclaimed, so that signs and wonders can be made manifest in confirmation of the Word of God that has been proclaimed. And so, um, Churches and ministries that allow these manifestations to take place in their midst during their, their meetings have given them, uh, their meetings over to demonic spirits, really. And what has happened is they encourage that practice to take place. Now, in doing so, what they've done is they've, they've brought that practice into the church. And a lot of churches and a lot of um, people have become impacted by this and it's not of God and the Holy Spirit does then become grieved. It's supernatural but it's not the Holy work of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be very uh, weary about this because as I say the Holy Spirit would never contradict the written Word of God. He always operates within. He's the one who inspired Paul to write that passage of Scripture. So he's not going to tell us guys don't interrupt the Word of God and then he goes and does exactly that. He won't do that. God's not a hypocrite, and we need to recognize that particular point. Another passage of Scripture <clears throat> that we also need to take note of around this whole issue of signs and wonders in the Word of God, uh, confirming the Word of God, is in 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 to 4. Scripture says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Um, and so with, the, with the, uh, this area of the, the doctrine, sound doctrine being proclaimed in the churches, the Apostle Paul warns us there is coming a time in the church and it's towards the end of the age, and we're pretty much into that period that the 
people in the congregations will no longer endure sound doctrine and they will want to follow after uh, signs and wonders and they will want to follow after fables that are being proclaimed. And so ministers that caught, get caught up in signs and wonders that contradict sound doctrine. What you find is, is that within their own doctrines that they proclaim in their congregate, in their churches and in their ministries, their doctrine starts to become more and more warped. Um, and so whereas they, they, they started out in the spirit and they started out preaching sound doctrine, as they become more open to the move of the spirit, what happens is the demonic influences in those ministries and in those churches have a greater and greater impact on the ministers that head up those congregations and those ministries. And their doctrine starts to become less and less sound. And you can see it. You Over the period of time, they start to proclaim and teach weirder and weirder and weirder things. Why is that? It's because they're starting to give heed to the demonic spirits that they've opened their congregations and their ministries to. Because they want to see signs and wonders. They are prepared to forego sound doctrine. Um, in other words, sound doctrine, for signs and wonders at the expense of, of, of sound doctrine. So the, the focus is on signs and wonders. Sound doctrine gets pushed to the side and more and more false doctrine is thus proclaimed. Um, there was a, a, a leading minister he's, since he's gone to be with the Lord and um, his heart was in the right place but a comment that he made and he was one of the leading ministers of the signs and wonders movement as you can say. Now it's not to say that uh, what was taking place in his ministry or through his ministry was not of God. Just a comment that he made which is a very dangerous comment. One of the things he said is that he, he said he had no theology for the way he ministered in the supernatural. And all he had in his favor was that God kept showing up in his meetings with a display of power. And so that's a very dangerous place for any minister of the gospel to be in. To be operating in um, a demonstration of supernatural power and not be able to explain what they're doing biblically. That's exactly what this particular minister said. He said he didn't have theology to explain what he was doing. The only thing he had going for him is that every meeting that he held, God would show up and, and the power of God would be made manifest. Now that's a very dangerous place to be. And it's a very dangerous because God doesn't confirm our practices. He confirms his word. And so if we don't have a sure Bible foundation for doing what we're doing, for the practices that we practice, well, now we have stepped into an area where we can, in fact, be deceived. And it's a very dangerous place to be. And so we're going to end this section off. Um, and that is that. Um, supernatural manifestations that take place among the saints should always take place in confirmation of the Word of God being proclaimed. If there is an absence of the Word of God or very distorted gospel being proclaimed and still supernatural manifestations are made manifest, well then we can be relatively assured in our minds that is not the work of the Holy Spirit. That is in fact the work of unclean spirits. We'll end the teaching on that one.